text for our meditation this evening, this second week in Advent, the epistle reading we heard a moment ago from Romans 15, especially these words. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Dear friends in Christ, we heard the words, didn't we? We heard the words from Malachi, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and evildoers will be stubble. The end of the world is coming, and right soon. Thus saith Malachi. We heard the words of Jesus in our Gospel reading. Luke 21. Jesus said there will be signs in the sun, and the moon, and the stars. Distress, perplexity, the roaring of the sea and its waves. People fainting with fear. The end of the world is coming. God's Word is clear. In the same way that Jesus came, robed in humility, came to save us, Jesus will come again on the last day. Come with power and might and glory to judge both the quick and the dead. We sang it in our opening hymn. Soon will come that hour when with mighty power Christ will come in splendor and with judgment render. Judgment day cometh and right soon. That's the message during this season of Advent, especially the first two weeks of the season of Advent. It's the same message that we've been hearing the last three or four or five weeks at the end of the church year. Judgment Day comes. Wake up. Be ready. So why does God give us all these words of warning? Be trying to scare us into believing? Is He trying to spook us out of our sin? My friends, God does not give us these warnings to scare us out of hell. He gives us these words of warning to encourage us. You heard that right. He gives us these words of warning to encourage us. Many times in our readings, in fact, I would say 99.9% .9 of the time in our readings, we have our gospel reading, which drives the theme for the day. We have that encouraged, supported, and backed up with our Old Testament reading. And then the epistle reading is kind of a, a practical application of the biblical truths that have been laid before us. That's exactly what we have tonight in our epistle reading from Romans 15. God is teaching us 
brothers and sisters in Christ, the baptized church of God. God is teaching us what to do and how to live in light of the fact that the world as we know it will pass away. That Jesus is coming again. A new heaven and a new earth. God wants you to be encouraged. He wants you, as we heard many times throughout our reading, He wants you to have hope. That word hope is an amazing thing, isn't it? We hope for a lot of things. Maybe you are hoping for a white Christmas. Maybe just the opposite of that. Maybe you are hoping that next year Nebraska will go to a bowl game. Maybe you are hoping for something really special under the Christmas tree. Maybe even something that goes on your finger. See? We hope for a lot of things. Maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. That's not the way God uses the word hope in Scripture. To hope, as God's Word teaches us, to hope is to tenaciously cling to the promises of God. This is what God wants for each one of us. This kind of hope. To cling to the promises of God even when our eyes and our ears and our feelings and emotions tell us something quite different. To cling to God's promises no matter what. God wants us encouraged to hope. To hope in Him. To know that He keeps His word. And that His love for us is very real. Our epistle reading, Romans 15, talks not only about hope, but talks about unity. Unity. Together, with one voice, the Holy Spirit through Paul teaches us. We are to be encouraged and to have hope. My friends, disunity causes us to lose hope. Disunity, fracturing and splintering, causes us to lose hope. There was a lot of fracturing and splintering going on in the church of Rome. The whole Jew-Gentile debate, it was before them. The book of Romans, it's throughout all the pages of Romans. How can Gentiles now believe the promises of God? What are they going to eat? What are they going to drink? What are they going to wear? All of these questions, all of these divisions, and this disunity caused the people of God to lose hope. And so Paul here encourages them from the Scriptures that this kind of a disunity is foolish, sinful, contrary to the Word of God. You know who loves disunity? Satan. He loves it. 
when there is disunity in our families, disunity in our congregations, disunity in our church body, disunity in Christianity throughout the world. He loves it. You know why? Because it makes his job that much easier. 1 Peter 5 says it this way, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. My friends, Satan is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You know what he's hungry, hungry for? You! He's hungry for your soul. You don't have to watch a lot of Animal Planet channel on TV to know how a lion stalks his prey. He sees the animals that are out there. Doesn't matter what kind of an animal. He's hungry. He doesn't just walk right up into the midst of the herd or the crowd. He waits. And he waits. And when the herd starts to move... He's ready. He's ready for that, that, that one antelope or zebra or gazelle that kind of wanders off all by himself. And then the lion pounces. He looks for the divisions. He looks for the weak, for the sick, for the hurt, for the young. And then the lion feasts. My friend, Satan does the same thing with us, with Christians, with the church. He waits for the divisions to happen. He waits for people to foolishly cut themselves off from the Word of God. He looks for those who are weak and wounded because of sin. Sin of their own device or sin that has been inflicted upon them. He waits for those who are very, very young in the faith. He waits, and then he pounces. My friends, God's Word is clear. Disunity causes us to lose hope. And if this disunity lasts long enough, it causes us to lose our faith. So what are we to do? I thought we were to be encouraged to have hope here. We are. We are to be encouraged. May the God of endurance or patience and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another. What kind of harmony? Look at the verse before. That through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. 
through the encouragement of the Word of God. Through the encouragement of the Bible. God's Word for us that encourages us. God's Word for us that delivers to us the forgiveness of sins earned by the bloody death and glorious resurrection of Jesus. To be encouraged for all of the times when we have sinfully taken part or become divided from the body of Christ and the Word of God, or when we have foolishly and sinfully caused those divisions ourselves. Christ's blood covers over our sin and unites us as one. My friends, when there are divisions in the body that are caused because people don't believe the Word of God, want to sidestep the Word of God, the faithful Christian must stand up and speak boldly, loudly, and clearly the truth of God's Word. Those are not the kind of divisions we're talking about here. Those divisions are hurtful and sinful and must be exposed and again healed and united by the Word of God. God wants us to be filled with hope. Remember what hope is? Tenaciously clinging to the promises of God. How do we do that? We encourage one another, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Where we see someone who has been cut off from the body, we reach out to them. We love them. We encourage them. We welcome them. We forgive them. Where we see that maybe we have been the ones that have fostered and encourage divisions. We come clean before the cross of God. We repent and tenaciously cling to the promises of God that our sins are forgiven. My friends, so many of the things in this world that cause divisions among us are so foolish. We cling so tightly to the things of this world. We turn the gifts that God has given us into false idols. And then we blame God when things don't quite go our way. Satan, who roams around like a roaring lion, is licking his chops. He's ready. And what does God do? He sends to us a faithful shepherd to take care of the flock. Many of us who are sick or young or hurt or wounded. He sends to us the good shepherd who drives away the lion and gives up his life in the process. My friends, Jesus, the good shepherd, picks us up in His nail-scarred hands and carries us today and tomorrow and for all eternity. The end of the world is coming. 
And there's not a darn thing you can do about it. You know what God says? Lift up your heads. Lift up your heads and be filled with rejoicing. Lift up your heads and be encouraged by God's Word. Lift up your heads and be filled with hope. Tenaciously clinging to the Word of God and all of His promises. Jesus came. Jesus comes. Jesus is coming again. Paul says it this way. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. May God unite us in this hope today and forever. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our encouragement, our unity, and our hope in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.